before we go. Is there anything you don't want us to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I think uh, it's. I mean, one of our running themes, of course, is really what is the uh, you know in terms of art, mm. right? And the arts in Singapore acceptance level and understanding. Right? So I think you're a very good person mm. to talk about that experience. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Okay, great. Okay, so I will kick it off. Take um, three, two, one. Hi, welcome to another exciting episode of Lion City Rock, the only podcast featuring Singapore's pop music scene, especially from the 1990s. And today we're quite excited because we have a very interesting guest on tonight. Um, yeah. <laughs> this, wait, wait, let me finish. <laughs> oh, you mean Kevin, not me? <laughs> okay, well, this person is one of the members of Psychosonic and you know instead of instead of coming out I'm just going to read off this little listing that was taken off a, a record um, Psychosonic an all-girl band sensation um, <laughs> caused the near riot on their first appearance in KL they were shocked but at the same time excited that there was such a massive turnout more than <laughs> 2,000 homo sapiens came when they made their grand entrance, the crowd squeezed themselves near the idols and started to storm and crowd the jam-packed stage, leaving the band little space to move about, let alone perform. There was a classic case of raging male hormones as Psychosonic received cheers and jeers, uh, bracket exclamation mark. The crowd went mysterical, mis mis yeah, mysterical when Psychosonic started performing. Some were stage diving, others were busy moshing. A group of pseudo-Nazis in the crowd started throwing nude and sexist jokes at them. Psychosonic was spat at, and even plastic bottles were missed their way. I know. And the saga continues. Okay, that was taken from a, a, a release, a, a seven-inch EP release. And, right. and of course, the person that we are talking to tonight is Jeanette from Psychosonic and Astriel. Ooh. Yay! Yay. so excited! <laughs> How have you been? How have you been in these, I've been good. In these strange times? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep, keeping busy and creative so that I don't feel down. I don't feel trapped. Mm, mm. So still expressing myself creatively. Okay, well, this this expression of creativity. I think what's interesting is also I was just reading this book, uh, this one by Andy Chen and What's oh. My Smile. <laughs> and I think that, I think there was this there's this section in there that um, from a forum that was done, and I think it was the first time we ever met. Was at this forum at Nian City where we sat down in a round oh, table oh. and basically pitched about the art scene. <laughs> <laughs> With a whole bunch of Where other people. That? I think it was it was it says here nineties Yeah, it's the mid nineties. Yeah, and it says here. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Because in that in that whole thing, uh, we all talked about our musical beginnings, and uh, maybe that's where we can give you get get this thing jumping off is uh, your musical beginnings. I mean, everybody, I guess the the masses kind of knew you through Psychosonic. Was that the first band that you joined, or how did you get into music in the first place? No, I first joined. My first band was called Cherry Wax, and I was in it with Hasrul and Topet. Um, um, yeah, and they were so kind and, um, and they taught me about, you know, with the various forms of indie music and rock and whatever. I mean, my, my understanding of um, indie music was very limited to, you know, charlatans and, and Stone Roses and The Cure. Uh, but, you know, they opened up a whole world to me. And, um, but it was mostly a covers band and I was a singer. And I wasn't a very good singer. I mean, I'm still not a good singer now. <laughs> but you know, Hasbro was very sweet. Like, you know, he tried to teach me how to play guitar and bass and 
and things like that. So that was my first introduction to performing in a band life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I what? played, I remember my first gig was, um, I think it was a New Year's Eve gig or maybe New Year's gig. <laughs> like there was nobody. And uh, it was at a bar called Ding Dong Agogo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what year was yeah, that? It was in the early 90s, like maybe 93. Okay. On, yeah, early night. Yeah, night, the the New Year of ninety three. <laughs> Where was this? Where was this? Where was this? <laughs> this was at near Bugis Village or something, and okay. I think it was owned by Dick Lee or one of these um, gay icons or something. And it was okay. fantastic. And you know, um, Joseph um, from Livonia was in the band as well. Oh, okay. So we all band hits. Yeah, it was super fun. And then. Um, we sang. Um, uh, we were we were doing covers of uh, Iggy Pop and things like that, and the Daisy Chainsaw. <laughs> mm, wow! Yeah. Okay. It was super super fun. Yeah. So that was my first introduction to um, you know that was my first band. Yeah. Mm. So so how do you get so how did Psychosonic come about then? So then at that time, this is disputed by Taufik, of course, Topet, of course. But we were going out together, and then we broke up, and then they found a new singer without consulting me and I was like oh my god I kicked out <laughs> <laughs> it was super funny um I mean they're still my friends lah but then to I, I told this story before and Dupet said no we never kicked you out <laughs> <You're just left>. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was very afraid that I was hurt I was like no lie it's very funny it's a very funny story to tell even if it's not true so I don't know for some reason I love the band <laughs> So, you know, my, my memory is very shaky. I mean, I mean, it's very clouded. I don't remember many things, but somehow I found myself out of the band and Lin, who, Lin Nawi, who was mm -hmm. in another band called Brunette Fuba, and um, she was, uh, and, and she was the get, rhythm guitarist and it was in a band of all boys as well. And I was in a band of all boys. And then, you know, we found ourselves very tired of it. And so she said to me like, hey, do you want to be in the all-girl band? I was like, yeah, man. Uh, but, you know, what, what am I going to play? I don't know how to play anything. Can I sing? And then she's like, oh, we already have a singer. I was like, oh, Drax. <laughs> <laughs> so then she was like, oh, why don't you play the bass? I'm like, I don't even know, know how to play the bass very well. I mean, even now, if you tell me like B or D or whatever, I'm like, what? Where is it? You know? So, <laughs> um, so and and she's she's like don't worry i will point and you will play i will point where the fret is you just play i'm like okay great let's do it you know and we did and she had a drummer who was city and then a singer who was uh ayu and then um and then we had a backup singer as well who was um fauzia wow. and you know yeah and so we had a really good time and um uh, you know, that was the first time I ever played music that was um, original. Okay. And it felt really amazing because I found that I had a way to express myself um, with my own narrative, with the things that I wanted to say that was relatable to me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even now, you know, when I say I can't play the bass that well, I can't read the notes. I write my own notation, la, so I'm still a genius. <laughs> but my own notation is like one, two. So that means the first string, second fret. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, whatever works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. whatever works, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so then that's how I got into Psychosonic. And uh, it was quite crazy. At the time, there were, there were girls playing bands, but there weren't any all-girl bands, you know? was really fun to be in and it was also very scary at the same time because it was such shaky ground we didn't know you know if we were amazing because we were amazing or because we were all girls 
you know right, right. and uh, and yeah you know and my drummer was was is really hot and my singer was very very hot she's still very hot <laughs> you know so like are we very easy in the eyes and, and you know what i mean like and and all these punk boys um were at you know coming of age <laughs> yeah 17, 18, 19, and you were like, wow, girls on the on, on the stage. Uh, and then, you know, but of course, then there are these people who would be detractors, you know. Mm -hmm. And in the past, I mean, who owned a freaking tuner? We didn't own tuners. It's true. One person would tune the guitar, then we all follow while we're on stage, plug into the amp, yeah, right? Yeah. And people would be like, get off the stage, you can't tune. I'm like, yeah, I can't tune, but hey, don't be like that, give like, chance, uh. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> But you know it, that that kind of reaction to us was mm. very visceral. Either either you loved us or you hated us. I really can't think of any other like female-centric band at that point in time. Um, Obstacle Up Search came up maybe like a month after us. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And our first demo was meant to be a two-side demo. One was Obstacle Up Search, then the other side was Psychosonic, but it didn't work out. So it was just like Psychosonic. And that's why we had five songs here. And then the same five songs at the back. <laughs> well, that, that works. Stay straight, don't waste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is quite common, actually. Like, yeah, things. yeah. <laughs> so, I'd be mean, like, I mean, uh, as Psychosonic, I mean, what, what were your thoughts like when you guys first came on? Were you shocked and surprised? Or were you, as the as the write-up said just now? <laughs> what was it? Mystified, I uh, know. Yeah. Myster <laughs> were you surprised by the mysterical? Mysterical, mysterical yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were... <laughs> well, I was, I guess... Um, you know, when we started jamming, rehearsing at TNT, and mm. uh, through the little window, mm. <laughs> we would see people peering in and just like like this through the little window. And we we're like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we're we're people are interested, but we didn't think, and we knew we were onto something because we knew we were the first. I mean, like, why wow, in Singapore, huh? better be first, huh? <laughs> so then we were, we knew that we were onto something, but we for we did not know it was going to be so, the reaction was going to be so in our faces, so mm. Um, mm. visceral. It was really, I think there's no other word than visceral because the first gig we ever played properly was at Substation. And I mean, you know, to play at Substation at prime time, like 8 p.m. Mm. is like, wow, super lucky, right? So then, and, and being our first gig as well, and people were, I they were first of all sitting down and my mom and my my stepdad came and they were like yeah my daughter's playing you know <laughs> and people when we strummed our first chord people like rushed up in a swell and started like just crazy like moshing or slam dancing as they call it mm -hmm. and um you know and it was all just madness and people started coming up onto stage taking photos with us and you know back then there's no concept of personal space right like what is the personal space what yeah, is space yeah, yeah right Quite social distancing yeah i want to take photo with you i'm next to you and you you know yeah. while you're playing yeah. and I yeah, yeah. And people standing behind and they're like hey look up look up here and smile and then click right and and it was just so mad and my mom had to scramble away and people were standing on cars outside of the substation mm, and yeah, I, I remember. remember like there was one single tree there was one tree in the middle <laughs> of the, the garden yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and some and there were people who climbed up on it and it fell over or like a branch fell down and it was just insane and we just thought like wow this is like we are like we, we are having the same getting the same reaction or even bigger than other bands that are playing at the you know at that time and it was just like the energy was was crazy I 
um, but yeah, I think we were very, very pleasantly and very <laughs> happily surprised by it. But you know, at that time, because it was the first gig, the the um, the bad reaction wasn't. Uh, <laughs> they had the courtesy to not give us the bad reaction yet. <laughs> it was until like a few gigs later that people they let you they let you settle it. But yeah, 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 they went. cheat our feelings, first, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sometimes, um, and then in some other gigs, people would, before, like I say, you know, while we're tuning, like, get off the stage, girls can't play. Yeah, I'm like, hey, yeah. you know, punks cannot play, what, right? Yeah, mm. so what? <laughs> but you dare to be here, not you dare to be here or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but it was, yeah, and then, and, 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 and on the other hand, there will always be people who are like, yeah, psychosonic, or like chant for us. And, right. you know, yeah, so it's like, mm, okay, just, <laughs> we just take the rough with the smooth or the smooth with the rough. <laughs> so so sorry, sorry, in terms of the like you know, putting making the music, putting it together, what was the process like for, for the band? Um and because that was my first kind of like proper introduction to um creatively expressing myself, mm. I didn't write any songs mm. until um one, I wrote one song in Psychosonic and I immensely regret that song. <laughs> <laughs> it's called I Don't Give a Damn. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yes. And it's yeah, like, yeah. oh my God. So I wrote it with Falzia. We were in my house. We were like, yeah, Lin is always writing the songs. Actually, Lin is a genius at writing pop punk songs, you know, very amazing three chord songs. Um, um, and three minute songs or even two minutes sometimes <laughs> um, but we were like yeah we also can do it you know so yeah so we wrote I don't give a damn and <laughs> so um, that was my first introduction to ever writing anything and I didn't know if it was great or not and then I remember bringing it to the studio and we were, I was Fauzia and I were like hey girls we wrote a song then Lynn was like, Ele, you're right. So, <laughs> like, damn it. And then we played it and she was like, yeah, okay, 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 okay. We were like, wow, thankfully. Pass. <laughs> with Estriel, of course, then become became more democratic. Like, you know, all the melodies I would write. <laughs> uh, bass, you know, yeah, whatever. I just play on top of the guitar and stuff like that. But yeah, in, in, in Estriel, it's always together. We rarely ever write a song alone. Mm. Yeah, so all my collaborative, all my, all my creative processes have been collaborative. Um, but except for um, my... Um, Textile and fiber arts, which I will speak about later. Um, yeah, that's so long. The other songs like "I Don't Give a Damn" and "I'm Gonna I'm Gonna Crash," is it? The crash, yeah. Yeah, uh, those were also those were on some other compilations as well. Yeah, back yeah. then yeah. compilations were huge, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what. Yeah, we went to say. Malaysia to to record that. I think. Yeah. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, how did you feel about you know going over there? Because I think. Even at that point in time, not many people actually even just went across the border to perform. So yeah. It's and very limited. Yeah, exactly. And also, it was a very tight-knit community, Singapore mm -hmm. and Malaysian um, punk scene and hardcore scene. Um, but there were uh, cultural exchanges, like we call them. <laughs> but, yeah. Many, yeah. but mostly, there would be punk and hardcore bands. And so we were the first, and we went there, and it was that first gig that we played and at that time it was um 
in it was in a hall i forget what the name is the chinese like badminton hall or something okay. and um it was i think the crowd was like 2000 or a thousand and for that time for singapore that was like wow so many people yeah. <laughs> we don't even have that many people in singapore in the yeah. scene <laughs> so it was amazing and when we got in we we're like wow so many people came to see us that's that's unbelievable and then of course when we got up before we started playing there were the nazi punks that i think are still very um active in malaysia mm. so nazi punks were all lined up in the front but they were like five or six of them or something like this and they were like eh, 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 you know and we're like what who are these people and then you know <laughs> find out that they are nazi punks we're like wow i, I cannot put this two together nazi and punk but malaysian yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? yeah 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 what yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and they were like throwing mineral water bottles at us we're like hey what people at the back were all screaming were like yay you know cheering us on before yeah. we started there's this bunch of like yahoos <laughs> just like eh, 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 and then like trying to spit at us but of course the stage was huge so the spit didn't reach which <laughs> is so gross oh, I, feel. <laughs> uh, I know like, spit it. Uh, <laughs> so then you know lynn lynn is a skin was a skinhead girl and she like mm. don't care you know don't care what and she wanted to take her micro microphone stand to go down and like just <laughs> slam and like, i was like hey relax don't don't you know we are <laughs> in malaysia not in singapore i mean like you know but we, we're not where we we know yeah, um, yeah. what the, the rules are and um and it, it's so chaotic i don't think it lasted more than a few minutes um okay. and then people at the back were booing them because they wanted us to start mm. and then when we did begin um after about 15 minutes we had to go backstage or something like this and then uh, the organizers and the crowd were telling these Nazi punks to like just like stuff it like you know so then we managed to come back out and then we played and it was amazing and the reception was great and we're like wow is the best I mean, I've never been escorted. I know, escorted, and because it was so tight, people were like, yeah. And then, but unfortunately, you know, marred by the um, an incident, I was we were getting into the lift, and somebody groped my bum, and oh, I yeah. was incensed. I was like, who the fuck? Who is it? And then, like, I just grabbed whoever guy who looked most like uh, sheepish, like, oh, it was me, you know, kind of face. So then, you know, there was almost kind of like a fight start, um, almost starting. Then, you know, it kind of like settled down. But it was quite <laughs> like for a first, just a, in a span of like two hours max, so many things happening. But it was crazy. Yeah. But we made many good friends who are still our friends right now, you know, uh, from Malaysia. And um, yeah, I think, you know, we went back there to play several times. And also at one point, we went to KL and we went all the way, but somebody had reported us for one, not having the license to play. Um, yeah, and then two, being haram. I, at that time, I never heard the word haram before. I was like, what is haram? And then my friends were like, never mind, la, we made it already. We totally made it. We have been called haram. <laughs> yeah, haram, yeah. haram, you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, yeah. It is such a big deal of about us coming that somebody had to report us. Wow. So like, yeah, wow. okay, like, you know. So yeah. we just went there, watched the other bands play and like hung out with our friends. So what so how how do you get from Psychosonic to Astral then? And and IRC. what happened in between? I would say IRC happened. <laughs> oh, okay. IRC. These channels, yeah, I know. Yeah. And then there was like sweet channel. There was for some reason astral channel or so i don't know who the hell set it up probably muhammad or william <laughs> <laughs> set up their own channel and so yeah i met a lot of people and i had already known muhammad um, previously we used to go to mtv bar a lot <laughs> and um so then i think um melissa um left astral and um so then melissa was the former yeah first was uh, budget yeah. And Maybe, then after yeah. that was Melissa, and then yeah. that's me, yeah. 
So then Melissa left, um, and then we'll, uh, no, uh, then Muhammad said like, hey, you know, you want to come and join? I was like, yeah, of course. Because my first love was always uh, dream pop shoegaze. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yes. But my musical training, training uh, is punk. So when punk, I joined, yeah. oh my God, William was William and Muhammad were like, hey, don't sing so forcefully, Karen. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know? So I had to kind of recalibrate myself. So it must yeah. be ethereal. Yeah, ethereal. like voice is supposed to float above the music. Yeah. Soft, I'm like, hey, wow, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I had to. Not- yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, wow, wow, very difficult, this one. <laughs> so yeah, but I managed to, uh, I think. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, so with Astral, I mean, of course, you guys... Uh, you, uh, with you and on lead as well, you guys uh, did this uh, album, Friends of the Same Day Star, right? So, what was I mean, was it was it easier for you? Did you did you find it a lot easier to to do recordings, to do shows and stuff like that? Um, I think it was easier. Um because we were also older, <laughs> so if we, yeah, and you know, I think if, well. The fragments happened a lot later. Mm. I don't even remember. Like maybe 2004. Right. My memory is... Yeah, I don't know. I will have to f- figure out the year. Is it 2004? It's no, 2003, I, don't I think. Three, yeah. Something. But Psychosonic is like 94, right? But in between, I was jamming a lot with Astrid. I mean, when I first joined, I was very lucky because... Uh, poor Melissa, she left um, right after they record, finished recording um, Ouija Blush. Right, right. And I got to reap the rewards. We played at Tower Records. Right, okay. Right? Yeah, and like my face was on that. You know the styrofoam like yeah. posted? Nick. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, my face was there or like I was, or oh, something like, I. yeah, it was like, Quite, quite amazing because you know that that center part where it's like a yeah. balcony where they play yeah yes yes and there were a lot of people I was like wow that's amazing so like in between that time 97 to 2000 it was almost like quite quite, quite a few years almost eight years or whatever before we made another album um or maybe 10 years I don't know <laughs> and um but in between that you know we would uh, jam a lot and and those were per- perhaps like the golden years of um, the scene you no know? like there were a lot of um, gigs that um, the kids would organize there was baby it's the beginning of beginning the start right. of baby beats. there were festivals um, um, my then partner and I um, we made um, our own music festival called Tesseract it was a two-day music festival and mm. um um, substation. It was soundscape and live visuals. Um, we also ran our own record label. And I, I think the spirit of if there's no gigs or if there are no uh, materials, we make our own, you know, mm-hmm. that, that spirit was very prevalent at that time from the time when I was a punkola, you know. Um, so until, until the time we made our own album, Fragments um, of the Same Dead Star, it was that kind of same spirit, it never went down or it never went up or anything. It was just like that, just dense, um, intense um, uh, DIY spirit. in the loop of things we knew how to like try to get funds you know mm. try to schmooze a bit and <laughs> and there were even like small little clubs that you could play at right so um i think um it was 
easier because we were older and knew how to schmooze, but the spirit of DIY was still as intense as ever. And I, I feel so lucky to have been part of that time, mm-hmm. you know, where you could say like, hey, let's do a music festival. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, so when did the fanzine happen? The fanzine happened when uh, I was about 16, 17. So I had started it. I started going out with um, this guy called Vincent and he was like a crusty punk, like really crusty. Like the jeans were like cracked. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> leather jackets with spikes and like hair, like egg and shampoo, you know, just to, and he had um, uh, a narco punk zine. And I was like, wow, you mean publish? I thought publish, you have to have like a factory, a printing. <laughs> and he was like, no, man, let's do this. And we did. And it was amazing. Type on the typewriter, okay? Mm. Type, type, type. I'm like, oh, no, type wrongly, shit. <laughs> t this shit, right? And then we put out a few issues and then we broke up. Then I made my own, which was Cherry Bomb Press. And at that time, I was really in the thick of um, Riot Girl movement because mm. it really, really, really spoke to us. And um. It's, it's the amplifying of uh, female voices in the scene. Mm. Um, and even now, you know, in my um, uh, artistic pursuits <laughs> in um, art, it is also amplifying the voices of, um, of women and, and their craft. Um, I just feel sometimes very tired that the narratives are always uh, male-led. Especially in the local scene. Like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I heard about this movie. Yeah, okay, yes, I know. But what about the women or, you know, the women who propped up the scene too? There were organizers, you know, there were zine. There were a lot, you know, people made distros. And, um, you know, there were um, girls who made all-girl gigs. um, And they came together. Where are their stories, you know? Where are they now? Why are you not talking about them? You know, your glory days, that story has been told so many times, I'm fucking tired of it. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and yeah, and a scene is not about this one band that, wow, was that, yeah. that yeah. overseas band that came up. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, whatever, man. It's about a network of people, and it's not just the women's voices, right? Mm-hmm. Then there are these people who organize gigs who are the archivists, you yeah. know, I always, now these days, I want, I always want to talk about my friend Faisal, who has many, many, like, zines, he collects, like, um, Southeast Asian regional wow. zines, and flyers, and stuff like that, um, and I call him a cultural archivist, you know, because that's what he is, you know, and he's like, no, la, never, la. I'm just a hoarder, I'm like, no, you're not, you know, <laughs> you are the one who is, who are keeping these things, he even has zines that I don't, that I made, that I don't even have anymore, and like, wow. advertisements that I made in distros that I don't even remember, I was like, yeah, that's actually me, that's my handwriting, wow. and I, yeah it looks like i would have done that like this you know he has all these things and people like this need to be talked about you know or people like amir right Mm. you know keep Mm. on keep these people like amir and shaifu they keep on doing their punk gigs and then they are not right in the forefront right they let other people take center stage but they need to be heard as well they need to be um their voices need to be you know amplified so yeah and for women there's so many people, right? There's Linda, of course, and you know, there's Pauline Chong, uh, and there's Neng Mohammed, right? The, they're the women of Obstacle Upsearch, mm. um, Blood Eye Rejects, um, and there's so many. So why are we not talking about them and where are they, mm. right? But um, I really feel so lucky to have come from that time and people are like oh you know and then you know um, it was so sad that we um, slam dancing was banned Um, (laughs) and like ridiculous right and oh um, and then that caused the government to kind of enforce this two thousand dollar yeah yeah the licensing yeah the licensing thing and I said but I always feel like we were so lucky to have come through this time where it's so tumultuous that we we Mm. come through it and we were resourceful and we still made it happen no matter what and we have this sheen about us you know that that we we made it work (laughs) and and it's not to glorify or anything but it's Mm. just to say like it was not all that bad it was really fun to to have, have have done that you know so yeah and and we were forced to come to to meet each other to buy things from each other to forced to 
<laughs> right? Like, if yeah, well, yeah, I want to yeah. buy your demo, I come down and meet yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. And, and it was not that easy. And um, so I, I do treasure those times. Yeah. Well, what I did realize was that uh, you know, it's a like the nineties for Singapore music scene is like a is a genuine grassroots youth culture, right? With absolutely no intervention from the government whatsoever, huh. right? And it just sprang up and it grew and, and that's that's the it was almost miraculous like, That's the way I look at it. So that's why it needs to be talked about. It needs to be analyzed. It needs to be discussed. It needs to be celebrated. Yeah. Needs to be celebrated. So that's what this is about, like, actually. So yeah. thank, thanks for that. Like, and and I, thanks for putting this podcast together. <laughs> <so exciting. laughs> I, think, I think we need to. Like, it's about time. Like, yeah. yeah. And I also don't want to be like, oh, you know, those glory days. Because those glory days type people mm. are the ones who are always talking about the same stories over yeah, and over yeah, yeah. again. You know? yes. And it's very tiring. I think it's it's great to hear about the struggles from all angles right mm. and and um and um that is what kind of fuels the growth and also the people these like nowadays are also like they are so resourceful and their level of music production is like uh, amazing oh yeah of course, of course yeah and there's this um um young woman called shy who is yes. like <laughs> And she's a student at my school. So oh. when I played, um, when Astral played like last year, um, this uh, rock and indie fest at La Salle, and everybody had to wear masks, right? So she was music engineer. Yeah, for, I think because they were doing like a kind of a school exercise, um, the students are taking charge of the sound and setup and whatever. And I saw her, I was like, oh. She looks very familiar, and I was already a fan. Then I didn't realize that she was in charge of my set. Then later, she had to kind of like engineer the sound um, um, post production for for it, right? Um, before they released the footage. Then I was like, wow! She emailed me from an email address. I was like, wow! I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so yeah, it's so um, it's so you know they are coming together in their own ways that we're not familiar with, um, which I could never do. Maybe let's talk about, I mean, you mentioned uh, your music history. Maybe you could talk about a little bit about your other artistic endeavors. Um, yeah. So, how, I mean, and, and also as an educator as well. Um, how, do you, how do you get from, yeah. how do you go from playing punk in a punk band to teaching people? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this playing in a punk band has taught me so much. Being in a punk scene has taught me so much. Like, for me, it has always been, if other people can do it, so can I, okay? Not, not to engineer a rocket lab. Okay. <laughs> common things, common things, like put the team together, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's why is this, this mentality that has stayed with me for so long, that has become my kind of like roadmap to doing things that, you know, allowed me the option to start a fashion label i'm not trained in fashion but like yeah you know for me it's like hey yeah you design something you go to the seamstress and then get it made make copies of it and then sell it of course it's not that simple you know and of course as a fashion designer you go through the Mm. um you know the foundations, the um, the production methods, and extra and etc. Et, et and I'm not discounting that, but you know, in in the um, early two thousands, in my head, it was just like this: if other people can start a fashion label, I also can. <laughs> and and it, yeah. it was very difficult, and I learned a lot. And we were not the best, like best fashion label, but we did have a cult following, and I was so thankful that I had that chance because, or oh, oh, I did dare to do that. But it was because of that, and I was already teaching at that time, um, halfway through, and um, so then halfway through the fashion labels um, um, time period, then my boss said like, "Hey, you have a fashion label, you know? Why don't you come into my department?" Mm-hmm which is fashion, to teach fashion image, right? And that's how I'm now teaching fashion image. I'm teaching advertising. I'm trained as a web designer, Mm. as a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but because I've had um, a foot in the fashion industry, I was um, given this chance to to step into the fashion department. And I've been here ever since, you know. And What was the the label called? Fru Fru and Tiger Lily. It was called Fru okay. Fru and Tiger Lily. Fru Fru and Tiger Lily. Yeah. 
and then yeah so then you know so i i feel like having been in the punk scene has opened up so many things for me um because it taught me the main thing the most basic thing if other people can do it so mm. can you like oh i don't have play based on now my point to you you play <laughs> okay i play <laughs> you know so <laughs> or like you know um and now um um uh, I, I a few years ago I started um, doing art right and um, I'm not trained as an artist and of course always like well fraught with self-doubt like am I an artist or not I dare not call myself that but it's just like I am I like just do <laughs> just just try it out and see how <laughs> yeah so I really have to I feel so um grateful to the people who introduced me to the first person in the punk mm. scene um, or the, the underground scene because of all the things that it has afforded me yeah yeah okay well, I mean of course recently you also had your uh, you had your exhibition mm. um, for your textile de uh, textile design textile so, art yeah textile art yeah I mean this is obviously a uh, um, like what was it like having your own like it was a solo exhibition okay so I had um, um, my first um, textile art exhibition was um, together with my research partner Hazel who also mm -hmm. works with me at LaSalle she's in the fine art department so she's the real artist right so it was held at uh, Ultra Super New Gallery, so it's a two-woman show. So in our research, mm -hmm. we call which we call aesthetics of care, um, there are several stages. So one of the stages was to hold a two-woman show and then a group show. So in that group show, in between a group show, I had a solo art show at um, Thelo mm -hmm. Aie Arts Club, and then later this um, at Esplanade recently, which just ended in um, August, um, the um, group show and it was all uh, an all-woman show. And um, I just felt like, again, so lucky to show at Esplanade. And Esplanade is such an important place for me because I, I did, at, with Estriel, I've done so many babies there. I think we played like five or six babies. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. I know. <laughs> I don't even remember how many. You only had like six, I think. Is it? Nah, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, they have like, 20, they're 20 years already, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Don't scare me. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, um, in, in, this, in babies, like third or fourth year or something, I was part of the organizing committee as well. Mm. So it was so nice to come back to Esplanade as an artist this time, you know, and not as a musician. But yeah, so, uh, sorry, what's your question again? Ah? I want you to talk about your exhibitions. And oh, stuff. yeah, my exhibition, yeah. So <laughs> when I was saying earlier that, you know, in, in my work, um, in music, um, as a riot girl through my zines, and even now in my textile art um, and contemporary art, I the, the one of the um, objectives is to amplify the voices of, um, you know, the unseen or the unheard. And in my research together with Hazel, um, we are interested in domestic crafts. So the, the techniques or the approaches that we use are, are domestic crafts. So they would be, you know, latch hooking, um, um, crochet, macrame, or um, yarn spinning. I spin my own yarn, so I make my own yarn. Um, and then um, um, punch needling, embroidery, origami. Um, so these are crafts that are traditionally um, uh, done by women for to beautify the home, you know, and you know, your mom or your grandmother would make floor rugs and they'll be stepped on, right? They would be unseen. They would be under like a um, um, doily under a cup, you know, they were meant to be objects of care, um, made steep with intent and love but always unseen, right? Because like, oh yeah, mom made that and it's just there, right? So we wanted to take these techniques um, and put them um, in a, a contemporary art setting, right? And, um, and through the lens of contemporary art. So again, it's about women. And I think my kind of um, uh, direction is always, or, or what I'm interested in is always about lifting um, women and their voices. 
um, however small uh, my waist are, but that is. And so, yeah, we wanted to show for this time at Esplanade with other women artists who use the same um, techniques as well. Yeah, but you know, with my punk um, um, kind of, I mean, being a punk is something that will always, um, I will always be, I will always be like, you know, so I think it really affects my teaching as well, because I always think my students should be resourceful, mm. right? I think being a punk is all about being resourceful. Yeah. How do you save that stamp <laughs> that you sent across? to your to somebody to your pen pal your punk pen pal and then get it back so that you can save this like dollar 50 you know what i mean put glue over it huh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then they send back and then you water it down uh, yeah or like oh. right it, it, it uh. really is a life skill that is super important and so it's also problem solving, right? So yes, this yes. kind of like cascade down yeah. to my teaching too. Yeah. And and yeah, and fashion is about, you know, you never work alone either in fashion um, and in many areas and in many industries. So it's never a silo um, kind of like world. Um, and, and all in my, all my, most of my creative uh, journeys, they're all collaborative, except for um, my textile art um, or fiber arts. It's, it's, it was quite daunting when I first started it, started on it because I'm alone. I'm never alone. And it's so quiet. It's the opposite. Mm -mm. Like, I have no like 10,000 pedals in front of me or like you know, Muhammad's feedback coming from his amplifier, right? And nobody to kind of like bounce ideas off. And so for once in my life, I really had to kind of um, um, kind of be alone and to, and to trust myself. Mm. Yeah. And um, not to boss people around. <laughs> I'm very bossy, like, you know, in Australia. <laughs> that that risk, and I'm sorry, we're not going to play it. <laughs> my so, so another aspect, Okay, so like also you're you're also a DJ, right? Oh yeah. So so like one thing I realized like listening to you talk about all these various things that you do, um, because I find that like a lot of times you're doing something new, hmm. right? Or you're coming to something that's new. So what is the process that you have in order to you know take in something that's new and, and make it your own? I think um, making my own, I don't know, is maybe because I consume so many different various forms of art, you know, uh, from punk to electronic music to movies and, you know, horror mm. movies to romantic movies. <laughs> mm. So that, so my visual vocabulary is quite a lot. And um, over time, it has become quite specific. And I kind of know um, also through teaching, you exercise that muscle in editing and art direction. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I when I start my creative process, like for example, if um, with my um, textile art, um, I started learning how to do decorative wall hangings first, just weaving. And then, you know, and I knew that that wasn't going to be enough for me. And that was, that was not what I wanted to do. And I wanted to um, create kind of like, um, um, design or art objects. They would be objects. Yeah. So I would combine techniques and materials from my different various backgrounds. Like design for me, um, if I were to um, uh, assign an, uh, a material to be very designed, it would be acrylic. And that's why acrylic is one of the materials that I use, right? And, um, and yeah, so these are the kind of like things that I pluck out of my creative consciousness and put together. And um, it's just very innate, I guess. It's like when you're writing a song and you know just something is not right, like, you know, cause you have exercised that muscle for so long and you know, you can edit and say like, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. And, um, and I never plan anything. I hate planning. Don't let my students know this. <laughs> you know, I don't sit down and draw and like, ah, it's a good shape, you know. I have the materials. I 
have my acrylic shapes in various sizes and in different geometric shapes in variety. And then I have my pieces and my acrylic. I put them together almost like in a tray and I go, ah, it's like that. <laughs> and then, yeah, you know, or sometimes I make my um, textile piece and then it I could like like this, like this, and then I put it together with whatever acrylic pieces I have and then I go yes that's it <laughs> so it's not it's not planned at all um, mm. but the idea behind it will be planned like mm -hmm. um, sometimes like, okay like for my latest um, work which is a shoji screen um, um, it's a door uh, uh, sorry a room screen um, I was doing it while it was in circuit breaker phase one and so I had all of these yarn like duffel bags from Ikea, like massive ones, back in my home because I couldn't get to the studio, right? And um, before lockdown, I was like, ah, I ran to the studio, take so many things, and then came back with like all these, like three or four duffel bags. And then they, I would, I had to work in, um, on my living room, in my living room dining table. And my house is very, very small. So, and um, because the exhibition would be in like a year, <laughs> and I feel like, oh my gosh, I have to do this now because if not, I wouldn't finish it. And it was the, the idea of phase one is so strange because we were confined in this space. We were not allowed out. And all the roles that we played in our lives, all the different various roles, like being a dad la, or whatever. For me, it was being a mom, an educator. I had to teach online, you know, um, being a wife, uh, being a home, uh, you know, like a um, homeowner, being a pet mom. All of that collapsed into that single time and space. And on my dining table, I would teach there. I would eat there. I would... Uh, do my art there and so I really needed and I felt I needed to kind of like separate things and then the idea of the piece that I was working on came to me I already started on it I knew I would be working on something big but I didn't know that um, until a while later that it would be a, a room divider you know because I wanted to separate the private right. the personal mm -hmm. and the public and you know so sometimes things come to me that way sometimes the idea or the shape is kind yeah. of vague and then I put it together and that's that um, yeah so it's, it's just like a crazy <laughs> I don't I don't even know what's happening in my head sometimes that's, that's the spirit. I'm always very excited I'm always very excited about things like yes 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 it's almost Rest, mm. good mm. restlessness is good yeah <laughs> okay well don't, um, what would you say then is um, you know the biggest lesson you've learned in all mm. these years I think biggest lesson and the best lesson I've learned is to not hesitate just yeah because okay. once and mm -hmm. you know we are always um, doubting mm -hmm. ourselves like ah oh, I'm gonna do I don't I don't you know mm -hmm. and then we just let the chance go I mean like how bad mm -hmm. is it gonna be you know what I mean it's, yeah. it's always not gonna be that bad and somebody told me once like okay you know this something bad happened and then when you look back on it it's not gonna be that bad and it's true yeah. right mm -hmm. and so that's what yeah. uh, has stayed with me and um, I always just say okay can just try. <laughs> Then sometimes it's very bad. They're like, uh, never mind, like, just smile, just smile. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Just yes, like, absolutely. Yeah. It, absolutely right? agree. Absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I mean, if people want to kind of like shit all over that bad yes. thing, then okay, la. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Then, so, so, what would be, what would be, I guess, the, the, the highlight? The best thing or, or the worst thing about being <laughs> The worst thing is that I I think the worst thing about being genetic is that I want to do so many things. I want to watch all of the TV shows, you know. I want to read all of the crazy, stupid articles. I want to see all the memes. I want to know everything. But well, I, have, I have no time. Well, I'm very okay. tired. Or, like, oh. or sometimes I feel guilty for not doing things and I, I don't think that's a good thing you know like if I'm watching tv then like hey, there's something just uncomfortable mm -hmm. that I feel in my body that I should not be watching tv you know and that's very bad because I want to kind of like just veg out sometimes right yeah yeah and I don't think it's a good mm. thing um yeah so so what i do is like oh if i'm doing my latch hook now i'm watching netflix at the same time so it's very rare that i'm watching tv and not doing anything and so i might be watching tv and then spinning yarn right so i don't think it's a good thing <laughs> you're just you're just a regular energizer bunny <laughs> yeah i'm very capable <laughs> so to do everything on. at the same time <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> yeah. So that's not, yeah, I just wish that I could just be, um, I know how to compartmentalize very well. And yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a little bit of formal, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> I should be doing something else. I should be doing something important or I should be doing yeah. something kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah, it's a bit of formal yeah, anxiety. Yeah, formal. yeah, exactly. I, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. You know, it's anxiety, yeah. and and people ask me, oh, do you do you have anxiety? But not yeah. in I I don't know if or or people ask me, do you um suffer from stress? Hmm. Maybe I don't know, but perhaps that is stress, right? Yeah. Like you know, you don't know how to fully relax. Yeah. No, it, it's important to be able to relax. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's not a, I think now people are no, uh, realizing that it's not a glamorous thing to like, wow, always be busy and doing things, no. right? Because yeah. it's terrible. Yeah. Hell no. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. No, no. Like now that mental health and all uh, such think, yeah. front, yeah. um, conversations. I learn from from like I make and I learn at the same time, um, you know, and that's how it is. I, I didn't go to school for music. I, I, did you all go to school for music? No, right? No. Yeah, and um, I, I learned from reading and all those old sing along books. <laughs> the black and white ones, right? Yeah, yeah. The Jota book. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, those. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. had the court charts at the beginning of the front yeah, page. And, yeah, I te- and I teach music now. Oh, really? So amazing. <laughs> yeah. But that's but but how it we learn through just doing was so much more exciting, right? So much more fun. I mean, yeah, maybe yeah. for us, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe for us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why I always tell my students the most important lesson is to learn how to learn. Yeah. Right. Learn how to learn the way that you learn, I think. Yes. You know, because there's so many types of learners. Yes. Yeah. They're ones who have to keep looking at how somebody else does it mm. and then they try it. And it's not a bad way. It's just how different people learn. And I think yeah. I didn't do very well in secondary school because that was a lot of the learning was rote um, mm. in primary school. And they as well. and copy the... other people's work. <laughs> 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 And like, you know, talking down at you and mm. like, you know, that's not, it wasn't, yeah, the way that me and I think many people learned. Yeah. 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 That's why when I felt like I came to love learning was when I went to La Salle for my diploma. Okay. I was like, wow, you know, this is how um, amazing. And that was when I decided or I wanted to become a lecturer oh, because okay. I enjoyed learning. Wow. Yeah. Nice. I mean, I didn't do very well or so, but I said, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> the point is. The point is. We're doing well now. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One more, one more thing. Because the thing that I was reading off uh, earlier, it, it, it apparently comes from this uh, vinyl, see-through vinyl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's from Pfizer. <laughs> so he put oh, these okay, lace okay. cuts out. He got it from somewhere. He didn't write it. He didn't write that paragraph. I don't know where he... So he's an archivist. So he right. made this, um, um, our EP into mm. lace cuts for archival purposes. Oh, yeah, right, so he right, only right. made a few and he gave me some. And uh, I mean, it's just amazing. So is uh, I mean I don't know what's the difference between lace cut and vinyl and but he says it's better quality and stuff like that you know so he only made a few out of his own pocket and oh. he, yeah so so that's quite um quite something yeah so that's Faisal he's done quite a few um of these uh, of the bands that he finds like you know he's interested in and and oh, okay. yeah yeah because I was telling I was just uh, telling Kevin I said I, I like the packaging. It's very, it's very mm-hmm. nicely, nicely yeah. put together. You know, yeah. it, it looks great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I had no hand in it. I mean, I'm a designer okay. and I'm like, I want to do it. Then he's like, no, no, no. This one is just for archival purposes only. So <laughs> he just did it. So I was like, okay, fine. <laughs>
It yeah. looks very big old. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Right? It looks very fanzine. Yeah. It looks like it, it looks like they just yeah. put a fanzine and the record together and then just came out this final. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, thank you so much, uh, Jeanette, for taking time out. I know it's late and stuff like that. Thank you. Thank you, Jeanette. Thanks for having so me. And you um, again. you know, always I'm in awe of you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and uh, so nice to do this uh, that you're, you guys are doing this podcast I will be an avid follower yay okay our first <laughs> subscriber yay okay. <laughs> I only have four others <laughs> yeah thank you very much again and have a good night you. have a good weekend bye 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 and that's another episode of Line City Rock boys and girls and uh, you know you know what to do as usual like subscribe uh, you know on all the different social media platforms right? and get the word out yeah share share us share us as much as you can let everyone in the world know that you know Nine City Rock Podcast is bloody indispensable right you <laughs> need right. it you, you need it in your life right but you know until then right uh, you know be safe play safe uh, stay safe and please don't do drugs, alright? <laughs> yeah, see ya. Ciao. Bye.